0: Welcome to the Live Big podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Father, I thank you for this moment to dig into your word, to understand things that we would not understand if you did not write the book or inspire the book that we're about to study from today. We give you all the honor and glory for what you accomplish through this time of ministry. And I pray this in the name of your son Jesus and we all say amen. Open your bibles to uh, the book of Job and we are going to begin in the first chapter and we're going to end up uh, in the last uh, chapter of Job. And it's going to take me a little bit longer than normal to unpack this, but uh, it's super important that you stay with me until uh, we get to the end. Again, Job chapter 1 and verse 1. And the Bible said there was a man in the land of Uz. Now, the book of Job is the oldest book in the entire Bible. Uh, its text is so ancient that we have some words that are written in the book of Job that scholars can't quite figure out the exact meaning of those words because this book is so ancient. Uh, Many people think that Job was actually a contemporary of Abraham, Uh, but the major problem of the book is not so much what you probably heard. A lot of folk, when you think of Job, you just think of his suffering. Yeah, suffering was real, and uh, that is in the book, But, but the major problem in the book of Job, again, is not so much his suffering, but Job's theology. Job had to deal with the fact that God did not always do things the way that Job thought he should. And this is why this book is so important to us today, because many of us are in the same situation. We're we're dealing with a God that doesn't do things the way we think he should do things. You know, some things in life are not easy. Some things in life you may not understand, but faith is trusting God even when it doesn't make sense. He said, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. So this book begins by introducing the main character. And the name Job, uh, the meaning of this name, I think is going to surprise you. It literally means hostility. It literally means persecution. Another has said it literally means a man or a person who moans. So it signifies a person that has been roughly and harshly treated. And what we see throughout Job Uh, before we get to the end, is Job felt that he was mistreated by God. He felt that God had been unfair. Has anyone other than me ever felt this way? Well, all of us at moments in our walk with God will feel overlooked. We will feel underappreciated, unrewarded. And and if, if that's the case, join the club. And that man, Job, was blameless and upright. Now, he was the, one of the most generous men of his time. I mean, Job was as good as good gets. Let's take a look at Job chapter 29 and verse uh, 12. Listen to what Job says about himself. And he says it under inspiration here. Because I delivered the poor who cried out, the fatherless and the one who had no helper. So in a couple of verses, we're going to discover that Job was one of the most powerful men in the east yet he took pains to uh, protect the vulnerable and the poor and this is important a leader is not measured by how many people serve him but how many people he serves or she serves The blessing of a perishing man came upon me, meaning Job even showed up, you know, in people's uh, deathbed, and he'd uh, speak a blessing over their life. He said, and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. So he encouraged people that had been left behind in life. I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. He was a leader with no regrets. I mean, he was able to sleep with a clear conscience. I was eyes to the blind, and I was feet to to the lame, so again he helped people who didn't couldn't help themselves, and then he goes on. He says, "I was a father to the poor. He was a role model to kids and the disadvantaged folks and and people without." And I searched out the case that I did not know. The point is, Job was a bad boy. Job what was doing his thing. He was living the life. But let's go back to Job chapter one and verse one. It says, "And Job feared God." So. Over the years, Job developed a deep reverential fear of God or, or reverence for God. His relationship was not shallow, his relationship was deep and he had tremendous respect for the holy. But the next step statement is really what's really really uncommon today. It says that he feared God and watched this and shunned evil. So he not only loved God, but he hated sin. The hatred of someone else's sin does not impress God as much as the hatred of your own sin. So Job was really living this thing, doing this thing, and let's keep watching uh, what, what goes on in his life. Verse 2, Job had seven sons, and uh, in this this time in history, in an agricultural society, uh, the number of sons you had represented the, the, really the blessing of God in your life. And he also had three daughters that were born to him. So he had three little girls. So Job was the consummate family man. The the picture of Job is uh, really uh, well-rounded. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep. So Job not only had a great family, great character and integrity, he had incredible wealth and prosperity. But wealth in this period was not measured by uh, paper money uh, like we might today. Uh, It was measured in land and livestock. So the Bible now is basically going into Job's bank account, explaining to us how rich Job was. Was. So the number of sheep that was just mentioned is not about lamb chops. It's, it's not a, about, you know, a wool. It's not about any of those things. But it really, what it does here is it indicates how much land Job owned. So it required, uh, you know, a couple thousand acres to be able to support this many sheep. Remember, sheep roamed from place to place, and uh, they needed grass to eat. And if he had this many sheep, you know he had a huge uh, prospect of land. He also had 3,000 camels. Now, camels were the freight trains freight trains of the ancient world, and they they, they traveled long distance without water, so he probably had business uh, throughout the Middle East as well as throughout northern uh, Africa. He had 500 yoke of oxen. Now, oxen were used to plow the land, and in fact, we get the term acre from the amount of land that an ox could plow in a day. So, uh, for him to have 500 oxen, uh, that's speaks of a whole lot of land. And then he goes on and says he had 500 donkeys. Now this may surprise you a little bit, but back then donkeys not only did work, but they were prized for their milk. And I know you're used to cow's milk and goat's milk maybe, uh, but look on the the screen and you'll see that actually, even to this day, donkeys are are actually milked and uh, people live off uh, of their milk. And a very, very large household, meaning he had a lot of servants or he had a company, you know, with thousands of employees, if you put it in today's context. So we see here that Job was an emir or Job was a, a king watch what it says so that this man was the greatest or the wealthiest he was the most prominent man of all the people Job was just not the average guy this guy was 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 like the Solomon of his day in the East and he was the greatest again of everyone uh, in that part of the world Uh, but but here's what I want you to think about even before we go on the idea that wealth is is uh, always evil is absolutely unbiblical and a little bit naive. There's no problem with having money as long as money does not have you so when God blesses you financially don't just raise your standard of living raise your standard of giving and we see with Job Job did not only possess great means he also uh, shared and gave generously of his means uh, to uh, uh, the community and the people around him let's get back to Job's family verse 4 and his sons would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day. So his kids liked to party, a lot like uh, some of our kids. And he would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So this was a tight-knit clan, and they still did things together, which is great. So it was, when the days of feasting had run their course, that Job was uh, would send and sanctify them. So he took being a dad seriously, mama needs to do what mama needs to do, but daddies also needed. to do what daddies need to do and daddy would check up on the kids and 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 make sure they were doing the right thing and you need to make sure your kids are in church now right now they can't physically be in church but but sit with them as your live stream so so they can learn this word even if they don't get it let them be exposed to it because later in life a lot of what they learn now actually will will god will, will use to you know be that moment or bring to remembrance as we've been speaking about what the holy spirit does he'll bring to remembrance some of the scriptures that were taught that will lead them in that moment. And if you train a child in the way he should go, when he gets old, he'll not depart. So make sure you are, are not just letting the TV or the computer babysit your children. Make sure that your, your kids are, are spending some time in the Word uh, every week. So again, Job was being a father and, and he'd rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all, not just the boys, but also the girls. And, and we're not the first generation to worry about our children. Job was concerned about his kids and uh, he would try his best, you know, to give offerings to God because he knew they're bent. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their So he knew that his children had a reckless streak in them. And and we must be honest with ourselves about our kids and about who they really are, not just who we want them to be. And some parents, you know, they're so... I don't know what it is, but they, they can't see their kid for what it is, and they act like the kids are angels. So, you know, if there's a problem in school, they go and argue with the teacher instead of admitting In fact, you know what, my kid probably did that. Uh, they go and, and they fight with the teacher, and the kid basically learns that he doesn't have to yield to authority, submit to authority. Yes, sometimes teachers are wrong, and yes, sometimes you need to push back. I know I have at certain times in my kid's journey, but the reality is my kids were not always who I Wanted them to be, they were who they were. And the reality is, they grew into great men, and I'm so proud of them, but it was a journey. Let's keep reading. Thus, Job did regularly. So, so far, we see a good man, a vigilant father, a fun loving family. Who could have asked for more? But now we're about to see the clouds roll in. Watch what happens. Verse six. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Now this is imagery that might be a little difficult for us, but but the imagery here is an eastern king holding court. I think probably the best way to describe this would be like our president um, uh, calling a cabinet meeting. So he's calling all the leaders in the nation uh, before him and, and watch who comes in. And Satan also came in among them. So the cabinet walked in, but behind walked in stinky Osama bin Laden. And you think he he shout for security, but surprisingly, he doesn't watch what happens. And the Lord said to Satan, the first time I read this this really bothered me. Why didn't God just throw him out? I mean, why is God having a conversation with the devil? Then it dawned on me, it finally hit me. God didn't react to the devil because he wasn't threatened by the devil. Now, the devil may scare us, but he doesn't alarm God at all. And the Lord said to Satan, he wasn't nervous. He was like, oh my gosh, none of that. He actually has a conversation. He said to Satan, hey, stinky, where you been? From where do you come? And immediately by God asking this question, we see who's in control. God was the interrogator, not the interrogated. Satan had to answer to him. So Satan did what? He did what he better had done. He answered the Lord and said, well, I've been going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Now, even the devil must give an account to God. So you better believe those of us that act like the devil are going to also have to give an account to God. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you... How many of us uh, realize that when God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He's trying to locate us. He's working on something. And He said, have you, Satan, you have the audacity to show up here. I have a question for you. Have you considered, and actually we're about to see, he was taunting the devil. Have you considered my servant Job a more literal reading of what God said to the devil there is, haven't you set your heart on my servant Job? One more time. Haven't you, devil, set your, haven't you been longing to get your hands on my servant Job? So what we see is for years, Satan was like a three-legged cat who just couldn't catch the mouse. He was very frustrated and flustered because he really couldn't get his hands on the mind and character of Job. You see, evil always wants most what evil cannot have. And then he said, I know, I know you want Job. I, I know you, you, you lust after him and you want him to be just like you. But God starts bragging on Job. He says uh, there is none like him on the earth. A blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. God might as well have smacked the devil in the face when he said that because he just publicly exposed before all the angels watching everyone in the cabinet if you will that the devil had been impotent that the devil had been ineffective in job's life so Satan at this moment is embarrassed god is 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 uh uh very confident in what he's placed in Job verse verse 9 so satan answered the lord And immediately got on the defensive and he said, does Job fear God for nothing? Now, the devil is a sourpuss. He is a cynic. Immediately, he throws shade because that's what he does, and that's who he is. He couldn't attack Job's deeds because they were undeniable, but what he did do is, is attack his motivation. And, uh, you know, when folks disagree with me, I get that, but when they start disagreeing with motives, that's, that's a little harder to get past. A, a guy sent a greeting card to an ex-friend, and uh, on the outside, it said, jealousy is a disease on the inside it said get well soon and uh this is what's going on here verse 10 have you not made a hedge around him saying is jealous of the holiness in this man's life the protection that God's placed on his life And, and God had protected Job like a child and you've also put this hedge around his his household so God not only cares about us as individuals he cares about our families and around all that he has on every side so he cares about us our families and even our stuff you have and you can you can hear the the venom in Satan's voice he's he's upset about this you have blessed this man Job the most important thing in my life is not my giftings but the blessings of the Lord God in my life see Satan may take my stuff but if, if, if I keep God's blessing, I'll get it back. And, and here, Satan, again, he, you know, he's, he's I mean, he, he, his head is blowing up. I mean, he, he wants to say some words here. Skip to verse 11. Watch what he does. He tries to incite God against Job. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has. It's like, God, you know he's not that good. God, 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 you know he's had to done some wrong. And he plays on the frailty of humans, and he recognized that that God has a right to strike all of us dead, even even a man like Job. He said, God, you have a right to do this. Touch all he has, and surely, surely this man that you love so much, this man that you're boasting about, this man that uh, uh, you're trying to embarrass me over, surely this man, I'll embarrass you will curse you to your face. Satan is so dark. He only sees the bad in anything good. And and he tried to get God to hurt Job. But if you read that wrong, as many people do, you'll become confused because God refused actually to do what Satan asked God to do to Job. Watch what the Lord does do and the Lord said to Satan said to who? Satan he's like Satan you don't scare me in the least whose mine is mine behold all that he has is in your power devil I'm just going to let you do you devil I'm not going to touch him but devil you're so convinced about you know your power to deceive I'm going to let you do you? But but here's here's what—that's upsetting to us to hear that. But here's what you need to know about God: if He leads you into a test, it's it's because He knows what's prepared for you on the other side of that test. At this point, most feel sorry for Job, but don't feel sorry for Job. God promised a safe landing, not always a calm passage. And here, God sees the end from the beginning, and he knew what was in Job, and he knew how Job would end. So for us, we're we're just thinking of the middle, and we don't really see the end of the things the way God sees the ends of the things, or the end of things. And because of that, we get upset. But God was like, you know what? I see all his trouble, but at the end, I also see his double. And likewise you might be facing some things you're like God why how did this happen Lord if you love me it wouldn't be so well God doesn't just see what you're going through he sees the end of the thing and he also knows what he put in you to get through that thing let's just stay cuz I'm getting ahead of myself let's stay with the uh, scriptures here he said behold all that he has is in your power only do not lay a hand on his person so as bad as it got for Job and as bad as it may have gotten for some of us Satan was still on a leash the devil could only go so far. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord to do what the devil does. He's a bad devil. He's a mean devil and he was just being a devil and, and Job was about to lose his family. Job was about to lose his fortune and his health. Matter of fact, his, his closest friends were, 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 were about to turn on him. But God knew what he put in Job, and God knows what he put in you, and Job stayed the course. You see, most of us want to serve God, but only in an advisory position. As long as he does what we want, the way we want, when we want, how we want, we want to serve God. But the moment God makes an executive decision, the moment God makes a decision from his vantage point and not ours, we start to question our commitment. He said only do not lay a hand on this person. So Satan went out from the presence of God. And then all that transpired throughout the book uh, begins to, to take place. But let's take a look at just some of it. Job 2 and, and verse 7. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful, painful boils. Notice the devil did this, not God. God is not the one making you sick. God is not the one making you broke. God is not the one that's confusing you. The devil is doing it. Notice again, the devil did this. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.